John chapter 11 this morning. You know, I, uh, <clears throat> I believe in expository preaching verse by verse through passages of Scripture and all the rest. I really do. And I was working through Galatians. I don't know if you're like me. <clears throat> I grew up, I didn't necessarily grow up here. I did in my teenage years. I grew up in another church and good church, wonderful church for the most part. But, you know, you grow up in the light. It's all you know. And you don't really know the darkness that's out there. And you start to get to know it. <clears throat> and uh, you recognize the enemy is me. And there's a lot of problems in the church and there's problems with people. And Brother George t- touched on that so well the other night. But I was, and this has nothing to do with my message, but <clears throat> I just, I had to talk about this, I think. I was going to tell a joke, but whoever got to hear that earlier, that's it's just between us, all right? Um, but <clears throat> I was, uh, you know, growing up in it, and anyone who would say, I just love Jesus, I used to get really offended at. You know, a bunch of compromisers, ecumenical, whatever. That's just me. It wasn't my pastor. My pastor was a good man. Dr. Noe was a good man and loved people. Put his arm around me many times, and as a 12-year-old, never had, I never knew any of my grandfathers, and he was kind of that figure for me and my pastor, and, and uh, he loved people. But I had this weird sense of people, if you love Jesus, you must be weird. And if you said it that way, you must be effeminate. There must be something wrong with you. Because that's what they say at the big churches, and they're all wrong. All the big churches are wrong. Just remember that. If you take nothing away from the rest of the meeting, big churches are wrong. And uh, it used to really bug me. And I got to Galatians 2. In Galatians 2, I believe it's 2.20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. And I stopped there, and I preached. And I preached hard, Brother Knox. You'd be proud of me. I preached hard. He lives in us. We must live by the faith of Christ. And I got to the next part of the verse. And I said, Jesus, I don't think I love you like I'm supposed to. He lives in us because he loves us. (laughs) Isn't that cool? I mean, isn't that right there good enough? I mean, I I do live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by the word of God and, man, we get the things right and we wear the ties on Sunday mornings. Amen, gentlemen. And and we do those things and I think they're wonderful. I think they're right and they're good. I I went for a little while not wearing a tie on Sunday morning and I thought my dad was going to come to Wisconsin and slap me in the head. So I put a tie back on. I said, I don't want to, I can't deal with, it may not be the spirit, but it's my dad and he's telling me, put your tie back on when you preach, son. Those things are wonderful, but it's because he loved me and he gave himself for me. What a God. What a God. Aren't you glad he loves you? I appreciate Brother Marshall. I, I, have, I honestly have, I, I don't know how to follow that up. You get the, the, uh, the statesman and then you get this. You get uh, the JFK lookalike last night and then you get uh, Chris Farley on Friday morning, and if you don't know who that is, that's okay. He's the motivational speaker, if that rings any bells. And uh, so we get all kinds here this week, but man, God is good, and I've appreciated every message. I'd like to also say publicly, I appreciate uh, Brother Marshall, Pastor John, and 
sticking by the stuff and staying with it. He's a friend. He's a counselor. He's been a counselor to me and helped me more than he realizes. And usually I just do the opposite of what he says and it works out. So (laughs) we know each other too well now. It's just, it works out, but I appreciate him so much. But John chapter 11 and uh, you really don't even need to turn, but we, we're going to look at it, of course. But I, I want to look at the shortest verse in the Bible and just give you a few thoughts. I didn't look at the time when I started, but I'll do my best to be done in a few minutes. I know we have a time crunch here, so I'll, I'll hasten. But John 11 and verse 35. You know it. Jesus wept. I'm thankful for Hebrews 4:15, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Jesus knew what it was like to be me. He knew what it was like to walk on this earth. And we talk about how bad it is now, but man, we got air conditioning and we got blinds that all you do is hit a button. You watch Rex walk around and hit a button and they close or they open depending on what you want. And and we sit on pews that are comfortable and, and all these things. We think sometimes we have it pretty rough. But Jesus' best friend just died. And... Uh, And he's weeping, and he's hurting. And we weep, and we hurt, and we have hardships, and we go through things. And he wept. And sometimes as Christians, we talk about feelings, and we shouldn't feel, and we shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't get so distraught, and you shouldn't get so too high or too low, and just right down the middle, that's the joy of the Lord, and we walk on, right? But sometimes we weep, and I found myself weeping sometimes. I found myself getting hurt sometimes, and I'm like... Is this right? People keep telling me, don't be depressed, and, but don't be too excited, but, but don't have, I mean, you really just shouldn't have any emotions whatsoever. I said, but I, I kind of cry a lot, and I, I've got problems, and I get depressed, and I, I read about preachers pre- predominantly in the scripture who got depressed. I'm like, it doesn't make sense to me. And then I read John eleven thirty five, 35, and it says, Jesus wept. Why do you weep? Why do you weep? Verse 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. I submit to you this morning, he, it seems as if he wept because of the brokenness of his friends. It hurt him to see them hurt. You know, I, I came to conference this week, and I was pretty selfish. Usually I come to preaching and come to hear singing, and I hear the marshals sing, God is good, and I'm usually thinking of somebody else. They need that song. And I don't mean that in the sense of, man, I hope they get that, and they get right with God. And, and, but no, I hope they get the help they need. I think of moms with children who've gone astray, and I think of people in the church who've been hurt and friends that I still have here. And, uh, and, I, and I think, man, I hope, I hope that helped them. This week, I've been taking it for me. I need this song. I needed that. I needed that message. But don't we, at times, don't we hurt for others? That's how we're supposed to be. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And we see, man, I'm so sorry you're going through that. Now, Pastor John and I were talking one day as we were driving into church a couple nights ago, and and I, I, I tend, I, before I was a pastor, I didn't really feel things for other people too much. It was, I hope God gets them, and I hope this happens to them, right? But you start pastoring people, you see what they're going through, and you sit down in counseling at Wednesday night before church, and then you stand in the pulpit, and you see them smiling, and you're like, I, we just talked about 
Why are you smiling? I submit to you, Jesus was weeping for the brokenness of his people. He sees their frustration. He sees their hurt. There's a whole story that goes behind this, and we'll try to go through some of it in a moment. But I just want to see why did he weep. Second thing, I think, is verse 36. Then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. It said it twice in verse 3 and verse 5. He loved him. This was his friend. Most of us, probably all of us, have dealt with somebody dying. Or somebody, man, I love this person, and look what they're facing. Cancer or or maybe even passing away. I've been blessed in my life not to have to attend too many funerals. But I've been to enough of people that I love to know that I think Jesus knew what it meant for have somebody die. Now, there may be other theological implications here for sure. Of course, he talks about being the resurrection and the life. We'll look at that in a moment. And, and all these other implications, I'm sure they're there. But just on the surface, as we see, he was hurting because they were hurting. He's hurting because he's hurting because he loved this person. As a human being, he loved this man. And he's dead. But I find it interesting that our Savior would weep. Even though he knew some things. And that's the message this morning. Is that Jesus wept even though. He wept even though. Lord, I pray you'd help me this morning. God, please fill me with your spirit. Help me to say only those things you'd have me to say. Please get Josiah Chidi out of the way. Lord, I pray that you would use... Uh, use me as a vessel this morning to speak, to preach, to declare the Word of God. Pray you'd help your people, Lord. They need something this morning. They don't need me and my opinions and jokes and all the rest, although those are fine. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would give them what your Word has for them and minister to them. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Let's look back, if we can, at verse number 1. What are some of these things that Jesus knew? Jesus wept even though he knew some things. Look at verse number 1. I'm just going to read through, make some comments, and move through here, but verse number one, now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. First of all, I want to look at, he wept even though he knew God would be glorified, that he would be glorified. He knew that before he ever wept. He knew that before he knew he was even dead yet. He knew what was happening and he knew the end result. Wouldn't it be nice to know how the trial is going to end? Wouldn't it be great I don't know about you, but I've been in some sticky situations and I'm like, I don't see it, Lord. I don't see how this comes out good for, for me or for you. I, I just don't, I don't get it. But Jesus knew. He knew everything. He could read people's minds, not even their minds, their hearts. I mean, he, he could, he knew things and he knows this is coming, but he still wept. I wish I knew what was coming. Number two, look at verse number five. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. We saw that already. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. We're going to come back to that thought. Then after that, he saith to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. 
But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said the disciples, Lord, if he, if he sleep, he shall do well. If he's taken a nap, everything's fine. What's the problem? Let the man sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, because they're a little slow, like us, we have a hard time sometimes catching up with what Jesus is trying to get across. And he says, Lazarus is dead. He's dead, guys. Verse 15, And I am glad, therefore, for your sakes, that I was not there, to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. So Jesus knew that God was going to be glorified, that even Christ himself would be glorified, that God was going to use this for his good and for the glory of God. And he knew Lazarus was asleep. The disciples didn't get it. The disciples are like, what are we, why are we going back into this town? We're going to get killed again. We're going to go, I mean, what are we doing here, Lord? But Jesus knew something about Lazarus that the disciples didn't understand, that those that are dead in Christ are just asleep. They're just sleeping. I had the privilege of, of uh, uh, and I say it a privilege, please you understand as a pastor, preaching funerals is actually a lot of fun for saved people. It's a lot of fun. Now, I was not glad that the guy in my ch- man in my church died, a wonderful man, Brother Jake. He passed away right before Christmas, and we got to do memorial service in April, so it took quite a while, but we had the memorial service, and man, that was exciting. That was exciting. Why? Because I could look at pictures of Brother Jake, and I could see everyone weeping and crying in the pews, his family, his friends, and loved ones, and some of the church members who knew him for 30 years. I only knew him for three and, uh, you know, I got to see all that, and I got, to, I got to point to the picture and say, he doesn't look like that anymore. We don't see him as, this, as the, he was. He was decrepit. I don't say this out of, dis, out of in disrespect. He was a decrepit man. He was sick. He was hurting. He was alone and by himself and just, oh, he was in such a bad strait. I said, he's not dealing with this anymore. Man, what a blessing. And it was exciting, man. I got fired up. I would pre- preach hell hot, heaven sweet, and all the Catholics got mad. And I said, I think I did my job. Amen. And a couple people came up to me afterwards. Brother Jake liked it when he preached it hard. And he came up to me after, or a couple of gentlemen came up to me afterwards. He said, I think Jake would have liked that. I said, Amen. Praise the Lord. But Jesus knew Lazarus is just sleeping. Jesus is going to say later on, I am the resurrection and the life. He knew. Jesus is crying. Jesus is weeping, even though he knew. God's going to be glorified, and Lazarus is going to come alive again. But he's weeping. Why is this? Number three, look back at verse number six. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. And then jump over to verse 17. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nine to Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. Jesus could have been there sooner. You ever feel like that? Jesus could, this, could this, this situation could have been handled so much sooner. Why? It's only two miles away. It's only a few furlongs. What is take, what's the deal? Why'd you wait two more days? What's the deal here? He could have been there sooner. Well, God's timing is not our timing. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not my ways. We have a God who is outside of eternity. In fact, it says in Isaiah, he inhabits eternity. 
Now, I'd like to sit down with Brother, brother, uh, brother uh, Antonios and, and ask him, what in the world does that mean? How do you inhabit the absence of time? I don't know. I know he's the end from the beginning. I know he is, I know he is all powerful. I know he is omnipotent and omnipresent and all those omnis and all the theological terms. I get it. But I'm living in real time here. And I've got a brother who's dying. And I've got a heartache. And I've got a hurt. And I want an answer. And I want some help. Jesus knew he could have been there. But he's not in a hurry. Now, I don't know about you, maybe, maybe I should just be taking comfort from that, and we're going to see the end of the story, okay? You already know where the end of the story goes, but you understand what we're looking at here. We're looking at the fact that there were things he knew, there's things he understood, there were things that, in the human experience, he could have changed and done differently. And he wept, even though he knew all these things. But notice verse, or jump down for sake of time. I would go through the whole text, but I've missed a couple, skipped a couple things for sake of time. Verse 25, Martha is asking, I know you'll rise again in the resurrection in the last day. And yes, there's going to be a final resurrection. And we, of course, believe in the rapture first and kind of starts, kicks off the events and all that kind of thing. We do believe that, right? <clears throat> oh boy, we do believe that, right? Okay, you start getting some people coming into your church, Calvinism just coming in, and they, that's one of those things, post-millennialism kind of ties in with some of that Reformed theology. And, and uh, no, there is going to be that resurrection, but notice what Jesus says. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus knew the power he had to raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Let me help you with something. Brother Marshall, I mean, uh, uh, I, I want to say this reverently as, as I can. Brother Marshall Sr. here, he, he did so well. He, he, John 3.16 can't get saved from that verse. So he can't get saved from this one either, okay? He can't get saved from this one. But notice what he says. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. What does it take? Belief. I think you can get saved from this verse. I think you could show a sinner this verse and say, He is the resurrection and the life. He, if all you do is just believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you can be saved. If you're here this morning, you don't know Christ is your Savior. It's that simple. Just believe. I'm not going to pray the Calvinist prayer anymore. Brother George, I appreciate that yesterday. That was a help. We needed to hear that. It's simply believe, and Jesus knew. He declares, I am the resurrection and life. I've got to make mention of this as well. Go back, if you would, to another verse. Verse 15. And then I'll jump into my final couple points here, and we'll be done. Verse 15, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Jesus was teaching his, his boys a lesson. He said, I'm glad. I'm glad I wasn't there. Why? Why didn't you just do it? Why'd you wait? Well, I had a lesson to teach you. I had a friend a couple years ago. His dad passed away the Friday before Bible conference. We were already on our way, had the time scheduled off of work, and so I was going to be driving in and came a day early, trying to be with my friend, try to get to him as soon as he could. And he called me, said my dad was in a, had a heart attack and fell into the water. He was out on, the, on a lake somewhere and having taken a vacation with some friends and... His heart stopped, and 
They say before he hit the water, he was gone. He was in heaven. And uh, I rushed to be with my friend the best I could. And over the process of time, the Lord began to help my friend and comfort him. And Because he, he told me this prayer. He said, I'm just praying that God will let me say goodbye. Because he wasn't with his dad when this happened. He was about two hours away. He said, I, I just want to say goodbye. That's it. I know this is probably it. Doctor, everyone's saying, every call and text I'm getting right now says he's gone. But I just, I'm hoping. And he showed up and his dad was dead. Nothing you can do. He's gone. A couple months later, as over the course of conversation, he was just dwelling in John 11. He's looking for answers and he's preaching it and he's teaching it. And he's going to nursing homes and preaching. And he's like, God, I need something from this. I'm preaching it, but I, I don't get it. Why, why couldn't I say goodbye? Verse 15. To the intent that ye may believe. He called me one day in tears. He said, I get it now. My dad's going to be resurrected. And it's okay. That's it. It's okay now. I get it. He is right now the resurrection and the life. There was no, he was not, now I'm not saying his dad's, you know, obviously he's not a zombie walking around. You understand, he is alive today, and one day his body is going to resurrect and be glorified and be mashed together with his through the portals and whatever else happens out there, out in eternity, and all these things are going to happen, and he's going to see him again. And he said, I get it now. I believe in the resurrection like I've never believed it before. To the intent... You may, why, didn't, why didn't I get to go? Why didn't we save this person sooner to the intent we may believe? Now, we weep. We have heartaches. We have struggles. And we know all these things, too, don't we? We know God's going to get the glory through my trial. We know all things work together for good to them that love God. That just means everything's going to work out just as we planned. Right? I mean, it's going to be great. It's just going to be awesome because we know these things too. But then the trial comes. Six days, a week, a month, a year, three years at a church. And you're like, all right, Lord, I heard this was fun. And it is. Ministry's great. It really is. It really is. I, I, I have no complaints. But then the things start happening and people live lives and you're like, oh, This is what Pastor Solomon meant when he said, ministry would be great if it weren't for all the people. And, as Brother Anthony just said, welcome to the ministry. That rings in my ears. My mom, I'll call my mom and tell her, hey, you know, we got this going on. Would you pray for us? She says, welcome to the ministry. Mom, you don't even know. She does know, and she, she gets it. I appreciate her. But understand, we all have these heartaches and these trials, and we weep. But I'll just give you three things real quick. Number one, look at verse 33 and verse 38. Verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Verse 38, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. Jesus groaned. God hears groaning. Romans 8.26, the Spirit can make sense out of a confused prayer. Aren't you glad for that? 
Jesus is groaning. What's he groaning about? Now, maybe he's mad at these guys because he's t- been telling them, I'm the resurrection life. He's been telling them, I'm coming. He's been telling them, just wait, guys, I'm going to show up eventually. But he's four days late and everyone's ticked off and everyone's frustrated. He's like, guys, ugh, really, I'm telling you, I'm coming. Or maybe it's just not time yet. And he's groaning. He hurts. He hurts. He's been touched with the feeling of our infirmities. God hears your groaning. You ever pray with a lack of words? Or my wife, wonderful wife, awesome woman. She's just, she's amazing. I, I don't know how I scored her, but I'm sure thankful I did. I left everything, house and home, to go get her in Nevada. No, we didn't get married in Vegas. <clears throat> we thought about it, but we didn't. We did it right. But we went to the hospital to have our third child, Noah, and uh, Chidi's have big heads, and so there were complications. And uh, Noah wasn't, he wasn't coming. He wasn't, it wasn't working. And I don't know, you know, I've never been around C-sections and all the rest. I was, you know, I, all of a sudden they're telling me we got to get her out of here. got to take her over here. It's getting pretty serious. And uh, I just stopped. And I had my mother there and my mother-in-law, which is always a great environment for stressful situations. <laughs> and uh, I was actually very thankful at this moment to have them because I couldn't pray. I don't don't know. And my mom grabbed my hand. My mother-in-law put her arms on my shoulders. And they began to pray. Because I had no words. And I was able to go right back there. And there he was on all the goo and stuff. And they began to clean him up. And I was just able to sit there with my wife. They said, you want a seat? Nope, nope, nope. Clean him up first. I'm right here. Looking at my wife, we're talking, having a good old time, trying to keep her awake. We're having a good time. (laughs) Groaning. No idea what to say. Number two, look at verse 41. Verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. So he's dead in there. Okay. He hasn't walked out yet. Maybe he's alive in the tomb, but he hasn't walked out yet. They say, move away the stone where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Now, verse 43, when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now Lazarus is coming out of the tomb. Maybe he's alive in there. Okay, maybe. Could you just bear with me for a second? Philippians 4, 6 and 7 I've got to read it because I'm going to butcher it if I don't. But Jesus says, thank you, before the miracle is fulfilled. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He said, thank you, before the end of the miracle or before it had come to fruition. God gives peace to the thankful, even in the darkest times. I read in Hebrews 13, 15, one of, these, one of the sacrifices we offer, spiritual sacrifices we offer, is a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving unto our God. You ever said thanks on credit? I don't get it, Lord. I know you're the resurrection of life. I know you're going to be glorified. I know it's all going to work out. I don't get it. But thank you that it will. 
I don't have anything else. People come to me, Pastor, I'm hurting. My husband, he's a jerk and he's an idiot. Yup. I want to leave him. Nope. Nope. I want you to leave him too. Be honest with it. My, my flesh, yeah, bounce, baby. Get out. But I read 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and it says, if he's not obedient to the word, win him. I don't know how it's going to work out. I'm not saying stay in an abusive relationship. I'm not saying there aren't exceptions. Well, what is it? Lord, I'm in this situation. Hallelujah, what a Savior. That's all I've got. That's all I've got. And Jesus gave thanks, and I believe we ought to do the same. Number three, lastly, verse 42. And I knew that thou heardest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound by hand and foot, and grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him, and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and said, had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things had been done. Lastly, and I'm, I'm done, God will be glorified. For good, for better or for worse. Some believed, and it worked out. Isn't that great? But it's that very event that eventually led to Christ going to the cross. It may not work out the way you think it will. It may not be quite what you hope for. But God works all things together for good, and he eventually will get the glory. Why does he lead us, Psalm 23? For his namesake. Jesus Christ went to the cross, died on the cross for our sins, and saw the joy that was set before him. Cross is a horrible thing. It's a horrible picture. Had someone laugh in my face that I would even mention the cross. Oh, you, yeah, he's the only one who ever died on the cross, huh? The only one who ever died on the cross for me. So it's a pretty big deal. But you say it's pretty tragic, right? There's people there. Get him down. Jesus, call the angels. He could have called 10,000 angels. But he died alone for you and me. And one day the risen Lord is going to be sitting on the throne. And we're going to bow and worship forever and ever. And while the ages roll, we'll sing the praises to him who died on the cross. And he'll be glorified forever. Jesus wept even though. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. I pray you'd forgive that if I went over time, Lord, I pray that that would be okay. And God, that you would work in hearts. God, I pray this would be a blessing and a help to those who are here. Thank you for the preaching before. Thank you for the preaching to come. Lord, help us to trust you, even though we weep, even though we don't see the outcome. In your name I pray. Amen.